This is Andy Perroir for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by legendary promoter Bob Aram out here in his offices in Las Vegas. Bob, how are you? Very good, very good. Glad you're in Las Vegas enjoying the beautiful weather. You know, it's not always beautiful here. Sometimes you can't even walk outside because it's so warm, but the weather is beautiful now. It has been beautiful whilst you've been out here. And it must be, I was going to say, a little strange. Obviously, no show for yourself this weekend. So what will, what will you be doing with your spare time? Well, obviously, there's a big fight coming up on Saturday. Um, you know, and I'm sort of interested in that fight uh, because, uh, for once, I'll be rooting for Wilder uh, to win so that we can get on uh, with the Tyson Fury fight, which is a huge fight, but it's uh, uh, Wilder has a tough opponent in Ortiz uh, who really uh, can bang. I was planning on coming on to Wilder Ortiz later on, but as you've just gone into it, we'll continue along those lines. What are your thoughts on the rematch and Deontay's decision to face Luis Ortiz once again? Well, again, uh, what happened was uh, uh, really... Uh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, it started with uh, uh, Big Baby Miller uh, getting busted for performance-enhancing drugs and therefore disqualifying himself from fighting Anthony Joshua in Madison Square Garden. And so Matchroom had to look for an opponent and uh, they offered the fight uh, to Ortiz. And uh, Al Heyman, being Al Heyman, convinced Ortiz not to take the fight. Uh, and in doing that, promised him a fight with Wilder. Uh, so, uh, as we know, Andy Ruiz got the assignment and beat Joshua. So when Al went to the Ortiz people and said, look, we have this big fight coming up with Tyson Fury, how about stepping aside? They said, no way. We would be the heavyweight champion of the world, but if not for you, because if Andy Ruiz could knock out uh, Joshua, uh, uh, we certainly would have been able to. So, again, uh, this fight is on now. It's a very dangerous fight for Wilder. I'm not very happy about it because I'm looking forward, as is everybody in boxing, uh, to a Tyson Fury-Wilder fight. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, but uh, uh, it's a very interesting fight, you know. And it, but it's not resonating with the public, because the public is looking towards Wilder fighting Fury. Uh, and so they're having trouble selling tickets. Uh, the pay-per-view isn't going to do it very well, but which is unfortunate because it's a very good competitive fight. It's not a walkover for Wilder. That's one thing I was about to ask you. A lot of fans and a lot of people in around boxing are kind of assuming Deontay will be victorious, kind of feel that Deontay will get the knockout victory again. Luis Ortiz has said he's lost around £20 in camp and in the first fight he gassed out. And he's been working with uh, strength and conditioning coach Larry Wade. Can you see that being a big difference for Lewis on Saturday night? 
Well, one doesn't know. And remember, particularly with a fighter of the advanced age of Ortiz. Uh, but if you look at the first fight, uh, Ortiz had Wilder in trouble early on. And it wasn't until late in the fight when Ortiz ran out of gas uh, that Wilder got to him and knocked him, knocked him out. So uh, Ortiz has done the right thing here uh, by getting himself in great shape uh, and losing weight and hoping in that way that he won't be gassed and can uh, uh, prevent being knocked out uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the late rounds. So, I mean, he's done the right thing. Whether it's going to make a difference or not, we'll have to see on Saturday. So I obviously know you're rooting for Deontay Wilder because you want that Fury rematch, but how do you see the Wilder-Ortiz fight playing out on Saturday night? You know, I don't know. I mean, I figure Wilder figures to win because he won last time. Uh, Ortiz has made changes. Uh, who knows uh, whether that'll make a difference. Uh, Wilder uh, says that he was feeling ill going into the Ortiz fight. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. Uh, it, I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if Ortiz, it would disappoint me, but it wouldn't surprise me if Ortiz won the fight. Uh, but I, if I had a bet on the fight, I would bet on Wilder. Uh, but the odds, which are like uh, eight, nine to one, are insane. It's not an eight, nine to one fight. I mean, maybe it's three to one Wilder fight. But, you know, it is what it is. The public perception is that Wilder just walked through him and knocked. Ortiz out. Not as easy as that. Provided Deontay was to be successful on Saturday night, obviously we do then turn our attention towards Wilder Fury too. Late February has been talked about, provided there's no injuries or nothing serious that Deontay might have to deal with. Is that still the plan late February? February 22nd, yeah. We have the uh, building MGM on hold uh, and uh, uh, we're all geared up uh, for uh, the contest to take place on that date. But, you know, you can't really make plans uh, until you see what happens uh, this Saturday. So we'll have to see. But, uh, you know, we have the advertising all uh, uh, laid out. Uh, we have schedules. It'll be massive here in the United States. Uh, because we'll have two networks uh, flogging the fight, uh, both ESPN, uh, which is uh, Tyson Fury's network, and uh, Fox, uh, which is uh, Wilder's network. And they're two big megaphones, and there'll be a lot of excitement uh, uh, around this whole promotion, if it happens, right? Well, I mean, it's all signed and everything, but uh, Ortiz, unfortunately, didn't sign. Just talking about that, you know, you mentioned just two different networks. You've had to obviously work with PBC. Was there any difficulties in trying to make the fight, make the rematch? You have to understand, uh, PBC, Al Heyman, uh, does business largely with Fox. We do business exclusively with ESPN. Fox and ESPN are big boys. 
they, they, they have a whole history, like all the big networks, of working together. Uh, you watch a uh, uh, football game, uh, which, say, is being shown on Fox. Uh, Fox doesn't hesitate to promote a football game that will take place that evening on ESPN or CBS. The big networks in this uh, uh, country, whether it's Fox or ESPN or ABC or CBS, they're big boys. They're not like the children, like the premium networks, premium networks that we had, like HBO and Showtime, each fighting for a slice of their territory. Here, the, the history is that the networks uh, cooperate, and so there is no real problem at all with Fox and ESPN working together on the, both the telecast and the promotion. You know, every, they get along because there's a whole history of getting along. I mean, Fox and ESPN and ABC and CBS share college football. They share, to some extent, the NBA a telecast. They share in where they each have uh, portions of professional football. So, you know, they're used to working together. It's not a zero-sum game as it, it has been when they had Showtime and HBO barking at each other uh, like they were the only two entities that existed. My final question on Tyson before we move away from all Fury Wilder Ortiz talk. He obviously recently ventured into the WWE. What did you make of Tyson's move to do so? Well, I supported it. I'm very friendly with the head of WWE, Vince McMahon. I've known him for years. He's a you know, brilliant guy, terrific guy, and he's built a tremendous business. And when the opportunity arose for Tyson Fury to perform uh, for WWE, uh, my advice was to grab it uh, because uh, WWE has a tremendous following. Uh, they get on a telecast in the United States, uh, on an ordinary uh, SmackDown on Fox, they get four million viewers. So now you have Tyson Fury being exposed to that audience so that when we do uh, the Fury Wilder fight on the 22nd of February, uh, a good portion uh, of that audience, which wouldn't necessarily be interested in boxing, will buy the pay-per-view because they're now familiar with Tyson Fury and they consider him you know, part of the WWE, and that's wonderful. And even if it's only 10%, well, that's 400,000 more pay-per-view buys than we had before. To move away from the Wilder Furies, et cetera, like we've said, another big heavyweight fight in just over two weeks' time. Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshua have their rematch in Saudi Arabia. What are your thoughts on the rematch, Bob? How can you see it playing out? Well, I, I you know, we promoted here for years, Andy Ruiz, 
Uh, he's a terrific young man. Uh, he's, he's a lot better than he looks in the sense that he doesn't have the great body that most heavy or many heavyweights have, uh, but he has tremendously fast hands and he's a very gutty, courageous guy. So again, uh, the one thing that I would be concerned about is I think Joshua, who uh, has a top uh, amateur fighter, Olympic uh, medalist, uh, has the experience of fighting all around the world. Uh, that isn't the case with Andy Ruiz. I think he had one fight outside of the United States and Mexico, and that was when he went to uh, uh, New Zealand and lost to uh, uh, Joseph Parker. Uh, so I don't know if Andy will truly feel comfortable fighting uh, outside of the United States or Mexico. And uh, Joshua probably, uh, as the more worldly guy, will probably have an easier time adjusting. Whether that's going to make a difference, I don't know. We'll see. My final question on the heavyweights, Jarrell Miller, there's a lot of talks. He's on the verge of signing with yourself in top rank. Anything you can fill us in on? Well, again, you know, we have, uh, a tr uh, we've acquired a big roster of heavyweights. Uh, we have this uh, uh, Turkish kid from Germany, Agit, signed with us. Uh, we have Inello, Guido Inello. Uh, we have uh, uh, a lot of heavyweights, and we've been negotiating uh, a deal with uh, Miller, and uh, we hope to sign him. And then, of course, we have to go through uh, the process of going to a legitimate top uh, boxing commission and having him licensed. Uh, you know, that's not easy uh, after somebody uh, has signed for a fight and then is disqualified because he uh, has uh, tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. In the United States, that's a lot more serious than it is uh, across the pond in the UK. I mean, because Dylan White, who apparently tested positive, I understand is on the uh, uh, right. Joshua Ruiz card. And I think that's disgraceful. That really is disgraceful. Uh, you know, I mean, if we're going to talk about testing and boxing, and you've got to do it because it's the health and safety of the fighter, the opponent who's clean, the, 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 the guy who is uh, drugged up, uh, you've got to really enforce the laws. I mean, you know, this is not Russia where, you know, half the athletes are on drugs and they phony the tests. This is, you know, the Western world. And if we're going to be serious about uh, this whole business with testing athletes, we've got to really be, be, be realistically serious about it. We can't screw around 
to the benefit of a promoter, a benefit of business. I mean, the rule, the law is the law, the rules are the rules, and they're good rules because they protect the, 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 the fighter and they give the public an honest type of competition. Just to move away from the heavyweights, next weekend, like I say, you've got another show. Cole Frampton makes his return. How excited did you see him back in the ring, moving up to super featherweight? I love Cole. He's a tremendous kid. He really is a nice person, and I wish him well. He's in a tough fight with McCreary, uh, and I promised him that if he's successful, uh, we'll make available our WBO 130-pound uh, champion, Jamel Herring, uh, to fight him. And, you know, looking forward, I would like nothing better uh, than to have uh, Herring uh, go over to Belfast uh, this spring uh, and fight Carl. Uh, you know, Carl told me uh, just this Monday at a press uh, luncheon, or maybe it was last Monday, I keep getting confused, uh, that uh, uh, his dream is to win a world title in yet another division, be the third world title in uh, three different divisions. And so he uh, is looking forward to winning on Saturday, next Saturday, and then fighting Herring uh, for the 130-pound title. Uh, you know, I wish him luck. Uh, Herring is, uh, uh, is a very good fighter. Uh, you know, he, he, he stands for a lot. He had, as a Marine, U.S. Marine, he had two tours of duty in Iraq, uh, you know, and he is a hero because um, he saw, you know, serious combat uh, in, on each of those tours. You know, he was sitting on top of the Humvees where, you know, the, the fatality rate is tremendous. So he's not afraid of anything. And, he certainly wouldn't be afraid of going to Belfast and facing the hometown guy, Carl Frampton. So that would be a big event. You know, whether it happens or doesn't happen will depend on uh, Frampton's performance a week, you know, Saturday, November 30th. So if Carl is not only successful but puts in a good performance for you, you will make the Jamal Herring fight provided, like I say, it's a good performance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. And I, as I understand it, uh, Herring, who, in addition to being a terrific fighter, is a great boxing fan. I mean, he comes to all of our events. Uh, I understand he's going to be uh, at the Cosmopolitan, where the event is held in Las Vegas, uh, Saturday, November 30th. So they, we can make the fight right there in the ring after... Uh, if Carl is successful against McCreary. Obviously, on that same card next week, Oscar Valdez, former WBO featherweight world champion, stepping up to super featherweight as well. What are your plans with Oscar, provided he's successful next Saturday as well? Well, you know, I, I was, I'm lucky that I went to that press conference because Oscar was there as well as Carl. And Oscar's uh, trainer now is Eddie Reynosa, who's also Canelo Alvarez's trainer. And uh, uh, in discussing with them, 
where Oscar goes from here, assuming he's successful against Guterres on November 30th. They said clear, plain and simple, they want to fight Bruchelt. And Bruchelt is another 130-pound champion, the BC champion, who we're fortunate enough to promote, and Bruchelt wants to fight him. So that fight will be easy to make, provided Valdez uh, wins uh, on next Saturday, November 30th. One thought that may have its difficulties to be made, but I know a lot of people would love to see it. Uh, Frampton Santa Cruz free. I've spoke to both of them this week. They've both said they'd love to have a trilogy fight if they could. Is that something that would interest you? Well, sure. I mean, I think that Frampton would want to go in uh, to that fight as the 130-pound champion. And I think, what, Santa Cruz, 126-pound champion? He's moved up now. He's fighting, he's fighting on Saturday for the WBA world title at 130 now. No, the, the, what, the fourth WBA title? I mean, they, I mean, you know, they don't mean as much as the other organizations. But still, yeah, you know, if Frampton uh, wins on uh, November 30 and then beats Herring uh, and what, would rather fight Santa Cruz rather than the... Valdez Burchelt winner, sure we would make that fight. It's a very good fight. Santa Cruz is a terrific fighter. Just to move well, to move back down to February, saw some rumours, Shakur, well not rumours, Shakur Stevenson wanting to face Josh Warrington. T talks have begun. Um, Josh has come out and said, any update on that? We'd love to do that fight. We're treading slowly. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, issues is where that fight uh, uh, belongs. And I think we've all come to the conclusion uh, that uh, that fight uh, should be in the uh, UK. Uh, Warrington is a, uh, I think, a tremendous attraction. Where is it Leeds, I think he's from? And uh, Shakur who's a gutty, you know, cocky guy just having won a 126-pound uh, title of, against the uh, brother of his girlfriend, which made it a very interesting event, uh, would be happy to go uh, across the pond uh, and do the fight. Uh, so, you know, we'll be working on that fight. Uh, in the weeks ahead. I mean, I, I love that fight. I think it would be terrific. Warrington is, uh, you know, he just never stops throwing punches. Uh, so he's, you know, really interesting in that regard. And in Shakur, uh, he has uh, a guy who I label the left-handed Floyd Mayweather because he's such a great defensive fighter. Moving forwards once again, December 14th, Terence Crawford returns when he faces Kavaluskis. Just talk to me about that fight, the decision behind making it. Well, Kavaluskis was the uh, mandatory, and so, uh, and he's good, he's undefeated, and he fights for us also. And so it was easy to make that match. It's going to be, a, I think, a good fight. I don't know if any welterweight around uh, can beat uh, uh, Terence. I think Terence's big uh, tests now that uh, 
Spence seems like he's, you know, after that horrific car accident, sidelined for a while. I think Terrence's big tests uh, will come from the 140-pound guys uh, going up, whether it's Jose Ramirez or Josh Taylor. Uh, those are terrific fights, and hopefully they can occur next year. But, you know, he, Terrence has his hands full with Cavaliscus. Uh, you know, since I promote both, uh, you know, I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to say he was going to win, but Crawford figures to be the winner. He's, uh, I mean, he's a tremendous, tremendous talent. And on that card, uh, we have two other fights that I'm really interested in. Uh, uh, Tiafimo Lopez against uh, Richard Comey. Uh, what a sensation. I mean, I look at how good a fight is not necessarily because a matchmaker tells me the fight is good or somebody says they want to see the fight. I want to see what the bookmakers look think of that fight, and that is a dead-even 50-50 fight. Dead-even. Whoever 50-50 fight. You don't get that often at the top level. So I think that's going to be a great, great fight for the fans. And then uh, Mick Conlon... Uh, is on that card, and he's fighting the guy who stole the decision from him with the help of Vladimir Putin uh, uh, in the uh, Olympics uh, in Rio. And uh, I see that the Olympic uh, uh, Committee has said that no officials, boxing officials, from the Rio Olympics will be allowed to officiate the Olympics, uh, boxing, boxing body Olympics in Japan. And that's very, very good because I think there was a lot of funny stuff going on in Rio. You just touched on Komi Lopez to stick with the lightweight division. Vasil Lomachenko recently awarded the franchise title. What are your thoughts on this new belt? There are certain fighters who are, have a reputation for fighting the toughest guys and the best guys. And they are elite fighters. And to burden them with nonsense mandatories is, I think, an imposition and not good for the sport. So I commend the WBC and Mauricio Suleiman in making... Canelo Alvarez, a franchise champion, and uh, now Vasil Lomachenko. I think it's a good thing. I mean, if Lomachenko was feasting on uh, pushovers, it would be one thing. But the only pushover that he's had, really, uh, since he's been lightweight champion, is because he was made to do a mandatory with that English guy, Crowley, yeah. I mean, that wasn't a fight. That was a, a, an execution. Now, when he didn't have to fight a mandatory, when he fought um, uh, uh, Campbell for the vacant uh, WPC title, that was a good, competitive, interesting fight. Luke Campbell is a terrific fighter. So a guy like Lomachenko has uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez 
deserves that tag because they only fight the best. There's a lot of talk, especially over social media and by other promoters, about how can someone become undisputed champion with a franchise title. Do you believe it's still possible to become the undisputed champion? I know that's Vassil's aim with the franchise title, or does he need to hold the regular, normal WBC world title? I'm happy with the franchise title. He'll be the undisputed champion because if he beats the winner of Comey Lopez, because I will designate him as the undisputed champion, and I couldn't care less if anybody else has a different view, because I look at it in my own view as nonsense. I mean, one of the things that has hurt the sport is making elite fighters fight mandatory fights against guys who don't deserve to be in the same ring as he does because of the politics of the thing and also because of how promoters manipulate somebody to be a mandatory challenger. I don't think that's good for the sport. It makes for mismatches, right? I mean, take Crawford against Kavaliskas. Kavaliskas is a good fighter, okay, but, you know, What's the odds on the fight? You always got to look at what the bookmakers say. It's nine to one. Well, nine to one is not a competitive fight. Why should people care unless they can bet on it? You know, I think it's in your, your football, soccer, and our professional football, the reason people watch it the way they do is because they bet on it. How can you bet on a 10 to one fight? We've touched on trying to become undisputed. Will the plan be then if Vassell's, in your eyes, got the three belts, Comey Lopez, whoever wins that, will you be looking to make that undisputed fight as soon as possible? Between the Comey Lopez winner and Vassell Lamajero? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You see, Lopez will kill me if he wins that fight. That's what he wants. He's not, he told me he's not going to fight anybody unless he can fight Lomachenko. And Lomachenko wants to fight him or Comey, whoever wins that fight, 50-50 fight. You're damn right I'm going to make that fight uh, as early as March or April of uh, 2020. Another name that's creeped up, Javante Davis. He's moved up to lightweight now. He, wants, he said he wants to face Lomachenko. Is there any possibilities in your eyes that could happen? Well, I'm not interested in what Javante Davis says who he wants to fight. When Floyd Mayweather, who's his promoter and is an astute boxing guy, feels that Javante Davis is ready for Lomachenko, we'd make that fight in a minute. I mean, Javante Davis, I think, is a major talent, would give Lomachenko a good fight, but Floyd Mayweather, who is his promoter, and he's lucky he has uh, an expert boxing guy like Mayweather with him, when he says Javante Davis is ready, will sit down and make the match. Really, Lomachenko would love to fight Javante Davis. But again, Floyd will tell us when Davis is ready for that fight. 
just on Floyd, last night on Instagram he put a post out saying he's returning in 2020 to the boxing ring before Dana White also put a similar post out saying they'll be working together. Your thoughts, if it is true, would you like to see Floyd return? Are you interested in it? I'm not really interested in Floyd as a boxer. He'll probably end up uh, fighting uh, one of the MMA guys uh, in uh, what turned out and you could have predict was the farce when he fought, uh, what's the name, the Irish guy, Conor McGregor, yeah. And finally, you've recently signed Noi Nui, a lot of excitement around him, another one who many consider to be in their top 10 rankings. What is the plan with Noi Nui? In a way, he's a fantastic talent. He is a great fighter. They call him the monster for a reason. We're very fortunate to have signed him because, I mean, he's another guy like Lomachenko that only wants to fight the best. I'm not interested in just regular fights. I want to fight the best guy out there. So there are a lot of good fighters. Uh, they have uh, uh, Frank Warren has a guy that's at 118, Teddy or something like that. I mean, he's, he's good. The Maloney kid from Australia is a terrific fighter that we promote also. Uh, so, you know, a lot of, and, you know, uh, he, in a way, is a big kid. So he's the kind of guy like Pacquiao who can go up in weight. I wouldn't be surprised if he fought, you know, in the next few years at 126 and maybe even at 130. Uh, so, you know, uh, we're going to see, have a lot of fun with Inouye and a lot of great fights. And my final question, Bob, because I'm here, and I see that you're here very early yourself. You've had meetings all morning. At this stage of your life, how do you still find the desire, the passion, the commitment to want to be the best? Well, it's, it's not just that. I mean, you know, I love boxing. I love the sport. I love the fighters. I love the promotion. You know, I love being involved in it. So if you love doing something, Truly, it's not work. You know what I mean? I mean, if this was uh, uh, a normal executive job, uh, a normal uh, CEO, uh, I would be retired long ago because a lot of that is uh, uh, very hard work. Like, this is hard work, but that's very hard work. And it's not as much fun as what I'm doing. I have the uh, privilege of going all over the world, uh, meeting people, putting fights on in different places, uh, taking young men uh, like Shakur Stevenson or Teofimo Lopez, uh, or before them, uh, Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, and uh, making stars out of them. And that's something that's very fulfilling and something that uh, I would prefer doing rather than uh, uh, staying home and playing an occasional round of golf. Well, Bob, I know that I've kept you for long enough and you're a very busy man, so I appreciate you giving up your time today. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, you enjoy the rest of this year, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for speaking to myself and Boxing Social. Okay, well, we'll see you again, maybe... Uh, February 22nd, when the big heavyweight showdown 
God willing, happens. Thank you, Bob. Thank you.